The Joy of M Sports presents The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. Welcome to The Sweet Spot, sponsored by Pinch a Penny Pool, Patio, and Spa. I'm your host, Corey Bradley, and this week we have the SEC kicking off this weekend, and we have some very interesting games with Ole Miss in Florida, Mississippi State, LSU, and Auburn, Kentucky. And speaking of Auburn, Kentucky, I decided to talk to a fan from each school to kind of get their thoughts on the upcoming matchup. And currently I'm joined by John Hester of Auburn, Alabama. He's an Auburn University graduate and uh, a good friend of mine as well as we go back to our Auburn University days. John, how are you doing, man? I'm good. How about you, Corey? Doing well, man. I'm glad that I could have you on the sweet spot, man. Glad to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. So, of course, we'll get into Auburn, Kentucky later on in the conversation, but Gus Malzahn enters his eighth season with the Tigers. Give me your thoughts on his tenure to this point. Well, uh, it's been up and down. I think um, a lot of Auburn fans would say that uh, – He's had flashes of success, but um, has also um, had some down years and maybe lost a few games that a lot of Auburn fans think that he shouldn't. You know, um, there's been, like you said, those ups and downs. Uh, what are some of the the downs that frustrate you um, throughout his tenure? Uh, for me personally, um, the losses against Georgia hurt a lot. Um, I feel like there's been a few times he's played Georgia and had the better team and uh, had the momentum at that point in the season and should have gone gone in and won those games uh, and really had some, some bad performances. I would say those, uh, Tennessee in 20, uh, 2018 was pretty tough to take. Um, and then a, a few of the LSU games, too, a lot like Georgia. Uh, or as, a, as a fan, you feel like maybe you have the better team and uh, but you don't come out with a W. You know, you mentioned LSU, Georgia. Um, you throw Alabama in there. The the big three rivals for Auburn. Uh, Gus Malzahn is currently seven and fifteen in those games. So there's definitely a lot of improvement uh, if he wants to stick around on the plains because that fan base. You know it. You know it as well as I do. Uh, it doesn't take much. Uh, they'll stay with you for a long time until you give them reason not to stick by you. So, uh, yeah, Gus is uh, definitely due for a big season in 2020. Now, going back to last season, Auburn finished 9-4, and four, which included a disappointing outback ball performance against a very good Minnesota Golden Gophers team. But for this year, what excites you about this year's team going into the season? Well, I think I'd probably speak for a lot of Auburn fans uh, when I say Chad Morris. I think that's what everybody's looking forward to. They want to see his effect on the passing game, um, the use of a tight end, um, and see how how much Chad Morris changes the offense. Uh, I think the progression of Bo Nix is also something to be excited about. I think if he progresses like a lot of people think he, he will, uh, he could be a really good quarterback. Um, and he's surrounded by a lot of talent in the skill positions, and I think that's something else to be excited about. I think Seth Williams and Anthony Schwartz, of course, everyone knows, but I think 
on top of those guys, we have the deepest running back room at Auburn that we've had in, in many years. Um, a lot of people know Shivers, Sean Shivers from, from last year, but uh, we've got some newcomers in Tank Bigsby, uh, Mark Anthony Richards, and, uh, of course, DJ Williams played a little bit last year too. Um, so a lot to be excited about in the running back room. Um, and I think on the defensive side of the ball, I think I'm excited to see the linebacker play. Um, K.J. Britt, Owen Papo, Jacoby McLean, all stud linebackers who I think uh, can have a really dominant season. And as far as exciting things from a personal standpoint and talking about things bigger than football, um, I'm very excited to see Rodarius Ham and Tayshawn Manning uh, take the field. Uh, those are two guys that uh, battled and beat cancer and have recently been named as starters on the offensive line. And uh, also Ham, uh, Rodarius Ham lost his child early in the year too. Um, so two guys that have been through a lot and can't wait to see them take the field as starters for the Auburn Tigers. Now you touched on a, a few positives for the Tigers, some of the promises as far as players goes and the coaching staff as well. But conversely, what worries you about this year's Tiger squad? Uh, probably what worries every Auburn fan, and that's the offensive line. Um, inexperience going into the season, uh, and then you couple that with uh, the effect that COVID-19 had and not being able to have a spring practice. Um, I know you, you know how important spring practice is for uh, all positions, but especially mm-hmm. offensive line. It gives those guys time to gel. Uh, so they didn't have that. Um, with that being said, I do, I do think overall it's going to be an upgrade in talent on the O-line, but um, that lack of experience and the uh, lack of a spring practice is worrisome. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, I would say uh, the pass rush. I feel like a lack of a dominant pass rusher the last couple years has been the, the only thing that's kept Auburn from having a, an elite defense. Um, as good as those guys were last year on the D-line, um, you didn't have a, a Carl Lawson or uh, Jeff Holland that was putting consistent pressure on the quarterback. So that's another uh, worry of mine. Uh, but hopefully... Derek Hall, T.D. Moultrie, Big Cat Bryant, those kind of guys step up and have a big season rushing the passer. I'm joined by John Hester of Auburn, Alabama, Auburn University graduate, to talk Auburn football. We know Auburn kicks off their season against Kentucky this weekend. In 2009, the last time the Wildcats were on the Plains, they came away with a 21-14 victory. What do you remember about that game? I remember, I, I remember most my cousin and some of his friends being down uh, from the University of Kentucky, uh, and it being really tough to take with them hanging out with them all weekend and taking that loss. Um, I also remember it being extremely cold mm-hmm. for an October football game, um, and it was it was, a, it was a fun weekend with family and friends, but uh, it was tough to take you know, being around all those guys in blue after that loss. And, you know, the following year in 2010, the national championship year, uh, it took Auburn 
uh, with a last-second field goal by Byram to beat the Wildcats in Lexington. So they played Auburn close. Uh, I know it's been 10 years, but the last two matches have been some close battles, and um, we're looking forward to this weekend's matchup between the number 23 Wildcats and the number 8-ranked Tigers. John, give me your thoughts and your prediction on this year's matchup between the two schools. Well, uh, a few concerns I have, I guess, would be just their offensive line. I think that they're very experienced um, and they're very deep. And they're not just a group of guys that just have a lot of college experience. They're, they were highly recruited. Um, they've got a five-star left tackle named Landon Young. They've got a, a center who is a um, highly recruited four-star and they've got a right tackle named Darian Kennard that's probably going to go in the NFL draft next year. So I worry about them being able to move the football against our inexperienced D-line. Um, so that's one concern. Um, I think that they will be able to move the ball, but I think the defense is going to stiffen in the red zone. Um, the line for this game, I think, opened at Auburn favored by 7.5, and, and the over-under is 49-and-a-half. I think that experience is really important in this game and all these games this week because of the lack of spring practice, and that helps Kentucky. I think the 11 a.m. game with the Auburn crowd being at 20% mm-hmm. uh, also helps Kentucky. Um, but I think bigger than experience with no spring practice uh, is talent. I think Auburn has more talent overall. I think uh, Auburn hits a couple big plays with all their weapons on offense that I mentioned earlier, and I think Chad Morris probably has a few things dialed up that Kentucky's not been able to prepare for. Um, So that being said, I think Kentucky is going to be able to move the ball a little bit. The Auburn defense will uh, come through in the red zone. I think Auburn's going to win 27-20. to So they don't quite cover the spread, but they win, and I'll take the under on the over-under. John, man, I truly appreciate you swinging by the sweet spot to share your knowledge of the Auburn Tigers, man. I know you've always been very in-depth when it comes to not just Tigers football, but Auburn sports in general, man. Uh, Thank you so much for being a guest on the sweet spot. Thank you for having me. War Eagle. So we've heard from an Auburn fan's perspective on the matchup between Auburn and Kentucky. Now we're going to talk to a Kentucky fan, a fan of the Wildcats, and currently I'm joined by Tyler Sisk. He lives in Lexington, Kentucky. He's an Eastern Kentucky graduate as well. And then he also has been a season ticket holder of the Kentucky Wildcats since 2005. Tyler, man, welcome to the Sweet Spot. How are you doing? Good, man. Glad to be here. Um, Glad to be representing my Kentucky Wildcats uh, on your show here. Man, I'm glad to have you on the show. I'm glad you were able and willing to be a guest, man. And, you know, I mentioned Auburn, Kentucky. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. But Mark Stoops enters his eighth season with the Wildcats. Uh, speak on the progression and the culture that he's created in Lexington. Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge Mark Stoops fan. He's been uh, just a great coach. I mean, he's done things in Kentucky that, that I honestly wasn't sure could ever be done. Uh, he's recruited exceptionally well. 
Um, and he's, he's gotten us to a place where we don't have to run some gimmick offense anymore to, uh, to compete in the SEC. We've, we've built a roster where I feel like week in and week out, we can, uh, be competitive with any team in the SEC. And you know, um, I heard something Gene Chizik said last year on SEC Network. He he mentioned and praised uh, the job that Mark Stoops has done, and he said this is why you give coaches time. You have to give them time if you want to see change in that program. You can't make um, coaching changes every two, three years. You know, give them time, and we've seen him do just that with Kentucky just coming off their fourth straight winning season. Now, Tyler – Everyone has a tough path this year having to play a 10-game conference-only slate. But talking about Kentucky's schedule, one that includes Auburn, Tennessee, Georgia, and then back-to-back road games against Florida and Alabama in November. For the Wildcats, what do you think it's going to take for them to have a successful season? Um, Yeah, I mean... The 10-game SEC schedule definitely is uh, different, and it'll be a challenge for the Cats. But uh, I think um, getting a healthy Kerry Wilson at quarterback, um, if he can stay healthy this year, I think we can have more balance on offense. I think we can uh, do some really good things um, with our our offensive line and, and the depth and talent we have there. Um, obviously, we have two first-team All-SEC linemen that uh, will anchor that and, and we've proven the last few years that, that we can run the ball um, we just need Terry to provide that balance that we didn't have last year uh, with Lynn Bowden running the ball all the time um, and I just I, I think we're built and set up to with the roster this year to, to compete in, in every game What about the uh, running back group with A.J. Rose and Cavassier Smoke. I mean, Chris Rodriguez, talk about those guys. What are you looking forward to seeing out of the backfield? Uh, A.J. Rose has been here a long time, and he has the experience, and I think he'll be the starter uh, from day one. Uh, But we have very capable running backs behind him. Um, Yeah, Cavassier Smoke and Chris Rodriguez both showed uh, some flashes of brilliance last year. And I think those guys are ready to step in if A.J. isn't able to get the job done. And uh, those of the guys really, uh, have really impressed me since they've been on campus. And I'm, I'm excited to see what they offer this year. Are there any players that you are kind of expecting to have a breakout year? Some uh, Maybe somebody who hasn't played much or just maybe been banged up by injuries. Uh, is there a player or two that – you keeping your eye on uh, for a breakthrough season? Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously Terry Wilson coming off an injury. He didn't Mm -hmm. play at all last year. So I'm just really excited to see how he comes back and bounces back from that injury and seeing if he can uh, get back to the form he had two years ago when when we won 10 games. And and hopefully he he still has that in him. Um, As far as young guys... Um, off the top of my head, I can't think of any on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I know that there's uh, a couple of defensive linemen. Uh, I don't have their names here, but uh, freshmen that that we've recruited that 
that should uh, come in and play right away and make an impact on the team there. Yeah, yeah. Mark Stoops has done an excellent job in recruiting over the years in Lexington for sure. And um, I'm currently joined by Tyler Sis of Lexington, Kentucky, an Eastern Kentucky University graduate and a season ticket holder of the Kentucky Wildcats since 2005. And Tyler, the Wildcats traveled to Auburn this weekend to open the 2020 season. The last time they made that trip in 2009, the Wildcats upset the Tigers 21 to 14. Take us through that memorable moment of Kentucky's first victory over Auburn since 1966. Yeah, that was a fun game. I actually made the trip down to Auburn that that weekend uh, to see the game. I was in the Auburn student section um, and heard a lot of jokes about that I'd made it to the wrong arena thinking I was there for basketball instead of (laughs) football. But uh, we, uh, it it wasn't the, the prettiest football game ever. I was actually looking at the box score last night, and I think both teams had less than 100 yards passing, and it was kind of a grinded-out type game. And um, uh, Randall Cobb was, was at quarterback for most of the game for Kentucky, uh, running past a wildcat formation, and uh, was able to to rush for over 100 yards, and, and I think scored the game-winning touchdown there towards the end to, mm-hmm. to seal it for the cat. It was a great great time for me to uh, kind of rub it in the faces of the Auburn fans as I left the stadium that night. Yeah, I was a student at the time, and that was a very cold night. It was uh, a frustrating loss for sure to endure uh, that defeat against the Wildcats that night. It it made for a very long weekend, as we know any loss does on any Saturday night during college football season. So, Tyler – we have number 23, Kentucky, number 8, Auburn, this Saturday, 11 o'clock on the SEC Network. Give me your thoughts and your final prediction for the game. Um, again, I think that, that Kentucky is set up uh, to be as good as any Kentucky team that I've seen in my lifetime. I'm uh, as excited about this season as I've ever been. Uh, Terry Wilson and, and our offensive line, I think, uh, can carry us a long way this season, uh, along with the always tough Mark Stoops defense. Um, I think this Saturday that that we match up well against Auburn. I predict like a 24-17 Cats victory uh, if I were to, to make a prediction. Man, we'll, we'll see um, come Saturday afternoon if your prediction holds true, man. Uh Tyler, thank you for being on the sweet spot, man. I'm so glad you could be on the, a guest on the show, and good luck to your Wildcats this weekend and for the rest of the season as well. Hey, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it, and uh, good luck uh, to Auburn as well. And hopefully, it's a it's a fun game. I'm just excited that the college football is finally back. So, uh, thanks for having me on, and 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 go Cats. Hey, this is Bauer Sharp for the Dothan Wolves. You're listening to The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley on the Joy FM Sports. 
Attorney Kaz Espy is a proud supporter of The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. Kaz has experience in both federal and state courts regarding a wide range of civil matters. Specializing in bankruptcy, debt resolution, probate, and estate planning, Kaz listens to the concerns of his clients, understanding their individual needs. Attorney Kaz Espy, phone 334-793-6288 or online at espymetcalf.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of legal services performed by other lawyers. Care Animal Center is a business ministry partner with The Joy FM. Their goal has always been to assemble a team that's dedicated to providing quality veterinary services for their clients' pets. Care Animal Center offers surgical, dental, medical, and pet wellness programs for that furry member of the family. Their website is care-animal.net. Care Animal Center, 3454 West Main Street in Dothan. Phone 334-794-6333. Whether they're going back to school in person or online. If your child needs glasses, Denny Vision in downtown Dothan has a great special on kids' glasses starting from $99 for two pairs. That's right, from August 3rd through October 4th, get two pairs of kids' eyeglasses starting from just $99. Students can receive 20% off one pair of complete eyeglasses or 50% off two pairs. Save on back-to-school glasses at Denny Vision. Call 334-793-2633. That's 334 334-793- 23-2633. Denny Vision, 151 East Main Street, downtown Dothan. See the difference. Hey, this is Alexis Milanowski for the Houston Academy Raiders. You're listening to The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley on the Joy FM Sports. Welcome back to The Sweet Spot, sponsored by Penny Pool, Patio, and Spa. As we continue the talk on the SEC, as we are right, preparing for the opening kickoff. I mean, we've heard from John Hester speak on his Auburn Tigers, Tyler Sisk and his Kentucky Wildcats. I'm going to reintroduce a segment that I did last year called Possible, Plausible, and Probable. I'm going to give a game scenario for each one of those and tell you the likelihood of those things playing out. So, First, with possible, we have to look at Mississippi State and LSU. I think this is a game where Mississippi State could win this game. I mean, uh, they travel into Death Valley. Death Valley will not exactly be the same as we are accustomed to seeing with not having a full fan base in attendance. And we know how important uh, having those guys in the stands and the advantage it gives a team like LSU, which is one of the toughest places to play in the entire country. So I think that's a huge plus for Mississippi State that they don't have to worry about any crowd noise or, you know, just the jitters and the frustration that comes along with any very loud atmosphere. So that's a huge plus for Mississippi State as well. Now, they have a star stud running back in Kylan Hill and this dude can make plays and he uh, is one of the best running backs that's come through Mississippi State and they've had quite a few over the few uh, last few decades I mean you think about guys like J.J. Johnson who was a second round pick for the Miami Dolphins years ago guys like Vic Ballard I mean I liked his tough running style a whole lot down in Starkville, and he spent some time with the Indianapolis Colts in the NFL. Anthony Dixon, 
There's another bruiser, big back, who just was hard to bring down. He is a guy that I definitely would not want to tackle or have to worry about on that defensive side of the ball as somebody that I would want to try to bring down. But he had a very solid career. I know he spent some time with the 49ers at running back. I think he also played some fullback as well with that size he had. Um, he was a guy that I really enjoyed watching, especially when he got into the league and was no longer in Mississippi State. Jarius Norwood is another back, man. Like Mississippi State has quietly put out some some playmakers at the running back position, and Norwood is another one of those guys who spent some time in the NFL. And, you know, Kylan Hill has continued that reputation of solid backs to come through Starkville. So watch him as he continues to build off his great all-conference season that he had a, a junior in his junior year a, a season ago. So uh, he had the opportunity to go pro. He decided not to, and he's back for his senior season in Starkville. So Mike Leach, we know that's where it all starts when it comes to Mississippi State. When you hear Mississippi State now, you automatically think of Mike Leach, who they hired from Washington State. Uh, you know, he comes highly decorated, not just by his accolades on the field, but just some of the comments and quotes that he uh, says off the field. And so you would think having a guy like him in their corner, uh, you, you're you going to pay more attention to Mississippi State and think they can achieve more than they have in recent years, although Dan Mullen did a fantastic job during his time in Starkville. Now, Mike Leach, like I said, uh, you just believe you want to root for him even if you're not a fan of him, you just believe that he can do the unthinkable. And who knows, maybe he'll get it done in the LSU. Now, uh, there's a soundbite I want to play for you. It comes from Hale State Productions as he is meeting the team in Starkville for the first time. He addresses the players and gives them some word of encouragement along with his plan for the upcoming season. At Washington State, a place that I loved and people that I loved, uh, I turned down a number of, uh, of jobs there to stay there, but this one I couldn't turn down. And a lot of it has to do with uh, uh, this part of the country, the quality of athletes that uh, we have in this state and, the, and the, the quality of team that I believe our team can be. You know, we're going to do some things here that are different than other teams do. And we're very proud of that because we expect our results to be different than the other guy. I mean, how can you not get behind that kind of speech, that kind of motivator? I mean, uh, you know, that dramatic music that Hell State Productions added to that uh, first team meeting that Leach had with the guys from, from the Bulldogs was just over the top, man. I loved it. I loved the icing on the cake. Um Man, it was perfect, you know. So, I mean, we're looking into this matchup with Mississippi State LSU. We'll see if the Bulldogs can get it done. But speaking of the LSU Tigers, I mean, this is a, a team we know coming off one of the best seasons we've ever seen, especially from the quarterback position. Uh, they do return Joe Burrow, Claude Edwards-Hilaire, Justin Jefferson. Oh, wait, those guys are playing on Sundays now. They don't have any of them. That's right. They only have six starters coming back from last year's team. So all those guys I mentioned, along with 
uh, Chason and Patrick Queen. I mean, those guys are no longer in Baton Rouge. So this is a completely new LSU team that we're about to see. And even offensive coordinator Joe Brady, who led that resurge offense with Joe Burrow, throwing 60 touchdowns, six interceptions. He's now the offensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers. So you look at all the players that are gone, the coaching uh, staff, they lost both coordinators. I mean, Dave Aranda, the defensive coordinator, he left to become the head coach at Baylor. So this is a new LSU program. So I think there's really going to be some struggles with LSU, not just in this Mississippi State game, but maybe for the entire year. They could be looking at a potential 7-3 and three season. Um, I don't think they'll be anywhere near uh, what they were uh, from a year ago. So LSU losing Brady. They only returned six starters from both sides of the ball. Uh, so there's some uncertainty and instability there for the Tigers. And new starting quarterback is going to be Miles Brennan. That's what uh, most people are expecting him to take over. Uh, waiting his time there. He seems to be the new signal caller for the Tigers. Eric Gilbert is a tight end. They've been you've been hearing a lot about. He's been uh, the number one tight end coming out of high school. They've been raving about what he looks like in practice, and I mean his teammates are even saying that he may be one of the best tight ends to ever play the game at the college football level. So we shall see if that holds true. But he's uh, from Marietta, Georgia. Uh, down here in the south and of course they do return Derek Stingley Jr. He's a cornerback who was highly decorated coming out of high school and he was a freshman All-American last year. A guy who had 21 pass breakups and six interceptions for the LSU Tigers and both of those led the SEC as well. So we think about how talented this guy is to come in to the toughest conference to play one of the toughest positions on the football field and make such an immediate impact for the LSU Tigers. And Jacoby Stevens is another player in that secondary who comes back with multiple years of experience, which this LSU Tigers defense will surely need to help from all the loss they had from a year ago. So, we're looking at a brand-new LSU team, as I mentioned. Uh, um, there are concerns. There has to be concerns with everything that they lost. I mean, who knows? Who really knows 2.30 on CBS comes Saturday with, like I said, LSU, we know they have the talent, but it's a lot of new faces and uh, new places. And then, you know, the highly decorated Mike Leach leading from the other way. So, for this segment, possible, anything is possible. It may not be plausible, may not be probable, but it is possible that Mississippi State will beat LSU. But I don't see it happening, not this week. I think it's going to be a closer game than what some may predict, but I think it's going to be a really good battle, especially if Mississippi State comes out and takes momentum early. But I'm going to give LSU a 27-14 to victory. Uh, I think the Tigers will hold on and – uh, get a W in that first week, but I think they do have some losses coming down the road. Now, for a plausible, plausible means it, of course, it's possible. It may not be probable, but 
there is some reason to believe why it could happen. So for plausible, I'm looking at the Kentucky Auburn game. And, you know, we look at Kentucky with Terry Wilson Jr. coming back at quarterback from his injury a year ago where Lynn Bowden had to kind of do every, everything there for the Wildcats. Running back, receiver, QB. Uh, he was a third-round pick by the Raiders, recently traded to the Dolphins. So Terry Wilson Jr. is back. Their running backs they have a very solid group of guys, stable of backs with A.J. Rose, Cavassier Smoke, Chris Rodriguez as well. But their offensive line is where their calling card is. This is where Kentucky plans to make moves and make uh, make some noise this year with guys like Darian Kennard, Luke Fortner, and Landon Young. Those are three guys, but the guy I didn't mention was Drake Jackson. He's a guy who's had 974 pass block snaps, allowing only one sack. I mean, you think about that. That's... That's highly impressive and highly unlikely for anybody to do that at the college level. And many are saying that Drake Jackson is the best center to ever come through the University of Kentucky. And staying on that topic of offensive linemen, according to Pro Football Focus, the lowest pressure rate allowed by a Power 5 offensive lineman in 2019, Auburn ranked number one with 10.8%. Notre Dame was second at 11.3%, and Kentucky was third with 11.6%. So that speaks uh, a lot about the offensive line play between these two schools that will meet this weekend. But the huge difference between that is Auburn only returns one starter from that group from 2019, while Kentucky has four guys coming back. For the Wildcats, so you definitely have to give the upper hand to Kentucky when it comes to the offensive line matchup between those two schools. Now, for Auburn, this is an 11 o'clock kickoff. We know how the Tigers have struggled when it comes to 11 o'clock games, whether it's home or away or those bowl games that we've seen. You know, especially the Outback Bowl where uh, you know they lost to Minnesota last year. Lost to Wisconsin years ago down in Tampa, a game that I attended with my friend Jake Everidge. You know, the Tigers have not done so well when it comes to those early morning games. And you start out your first game with 11 o'clock kickoff against number 23-ranked Kentucky, uh, a school that's played you close in the two meetings I mean that was over 10 years ago but still this is a much better Kentucky program now from what we saw in 09 and 2010 they still have some uh, very good athletes as I've as I've described before and you heard from Tyler Sisk and you know John Hester as well so this is going to be an interesting matchup as we are looking at Auburn first game of the year they lose Quite a few interesting pieces from the defensive side of the ball with guys like Derrick Brown, Jeremiah Denson, Noah Igbenogany, Marlon Davidson. I mean, this defense has some holes to fill, but they do have some great returners in Owen Papo. You think about Zacoby McLean, Smoke Monday, and then Big Cat Bryant as well. And, of course, Bo Nix returns for his sophomore season. 
I expect him to be a lot more polished than we saw during his freshman year. I mean, you know, you can't really judge freshman QBs too much. I mean, you want to see some promise, and we saw some promise in Bo Nix, especially that pass that he made to Sal Canella in that Iron Bowl. Like, that was just a beautiful pass and a beautiful grab by Canella as well. Uh, but we saw some ups and downs from Bo Nix throughout the entire season who – you know, we it's been well documented of the road games he had to endure by traveling to Texas A&M, traveling to LSU, playing in the swamp against Florida. I mean, this is a guy who was really run through the gauntlet as a true freshman, so I think that really just helps him become more battle-tested and more prepared for his sophomore year and beyond. So I'm looking forward to seeing the progression that he's made over the offseason. As far as their running back group, I mean, DJ Williams, Tank Bigsby, you're looking at Sean Shivers, Mark Anthony Richards, um, maybe Harold Joyner. You know, he's kind of being lost in the shuffle there. We'll see where he fits into all of this uh, receiving group. You know, you think about Eli Stove and Anthony Swartz, and then, you know, Seth Williams is the main target there for the Tigers. So uh, Chad Morris comes over. As the new offensive coordinator, he pairs up with his good buddy Gus Malzahn. We'll see what new wrinkles they have in store for the Tigers and the Tigers fan base for the upcoming season. And, you know, this game, like I said, it's plausible. It's it's plausible that Kentucky could win this game, and it wouldn't shock you all that much because I've given you reasons why they could win. You heard it from Tyler Sisk. You heard it from John Hester. I'm sure you've been reading it and all the uh, write-ups and the paper and the articles leading up to the game. And, you know, I wouldn't be shocked whatsoever if Kentucky came out on top. Like I said, this is very likely they could do so. But I don't have them winning this game. I have Auburn taking a victory, a very close victory, and I'm going to say – 24 to 20. I think it's going to be a hard defensive battle between the two teams and a game that will probably come down to who wins in the trenches. I expect Auburn to, uh, we, we know with Kevin Steele, what he brings to the table each and every year, regardless of what happens on the offensive side of the ball, we know what Steele and that defense is going to be about. And I think that defense will continue to be strong this year, starting off the season with a victory over the Wildcats. So for a probable, my final scenario, we're looking at Florida and Ole Miss. And it's probable that Florida will beat Ole Miss. I mean, you're looking at this Florida team who, um, you know, a year ago they're, they're coming off an 11 wins. An Orange Bowl victory over Virginia. This will be Dan Mullen's third season. He, he won 10 his first year, 11 last year. We'll see what they do for the 2020 season. So they return Kyle Trask, and I like Kyle Trask a whole lot. Uh, he wore me over when I saw him play, uh, of course, against Kentucky when Felipe Franks went down. But that LSU game when he nearly upset the Tigers, I mean, I think it doesn't help a guy like him or any quarterback for that matter when they have to be pulled out every now and then because they want to play the other guy. Uh, In this instance, it's Emory Jones who gets some of those reps. But for 
Kyle Trask, he's just reliable and consistent, and I trust him. And, you know, when I look at QBs and what I want and my QB is someone who's accurate and makes smart decisions, and that's exactly what he does. So to me, he's probably the most trustworthy QB in the SEC at this time. Uh, now, he does lose some players on the perimeter. They lost quite a few guys to the NFL with uh, people like Tyree Cleveland to the Broncos, Josh Hammond to the Jaguars, Freddie Swain to the Seahawks, and then Van Jefferson to the Rams. So uh, I think that could take a step back for them, but we know Florida. They recruit well. It's never an issue when it comes to talent, especially at those skill positions. So they're expecting a big year from Trevon Grimes. Kadarius Toney, if you haven't seen him play, oh, my gosh, his he is like the epitome of what it is it means to juke somebody out of their shoes. He always makes that first guy miss. So I'm excited to see him uh, ball out this year and build on his previous season. And then, of course, they have tight end Kyle Pitts, who is one of the best tight ends in the country, not just the SEC, but the entire nation. So I gave you Florida, gave you their players, guys to look for. Uh, could be a struggle at first as they – kind of get a feel with some of their new playmakers and finding a way to move the ball without those four receivers that I mentioned are all now in the NFL at the same time. Going on to Ole Miss, we know this is Lane Kiffin. This is his first year as head coach in Oxford. He went 26-13 and at Florida Atlantic in those three seasons, which included Two Conference USA titles. So, you know, Kiffin did an, an amazing job at Florida Atlantic where uh, Willie Taggart has taken over for him. And Kiffin definitely left that job in good hands. Um, not only the program itself, but to a solid coach also. Now, Lane Kiffin, you know, he's always been a pass happy type guy. We saw that a little bit of that of Alabama when he was a the coordinator there. I think that rubbed a lot of the fans wrong with the passing uh, tactics that he used because, you know, Bama's always been known for run, run, run. Well, Kiffin wanted to throw a little more. He wanted to do the jet sweeps and the wide receiver screens, and I think that really grew uh, tired down in Tuscaloosa. But for him, uh, what the biggest question for him is who's going to be a starter? I mean, you look at two guys like John Rice Plumley and then Matt Corral, two guys who split time last year. In a weird dynamic that Matt Luke and uh, Rich Rodriguez used down in Oxford where Plumlee's a running quarterback, so anytime it was a running set, they would use Plumlee. If they needed the throw, they would bring Corral out. And it was just – it was very weird the way that they used those two QBs. But, you know, Plumlee is, is a guy who had 1,023 rushing yards last year at QB, 12 touchdowns, 212 of those rushing yards – and four of those touchdowns came in one game against LSU. So well, you, you see right there what he's capable of do, uh, especially against that defense, that national championship defense that we saw from the Tigers a year ago. But he also threw for 910 passing yards and then six touchdowns. I'm sorry, four touchdowns as well uh, for the Rebels. And so is he the guy because you can do more with him he can make plays with his feet in his arm and some people are saying he's the fastest QB in the SEC uh, one of the fastest QB in the nation as well we'll see if he's the guy or is it going to be Matt Corral 
who I've mentioned as well, who threw for over 1,300 yards and six touchdowns last season. Now, as far as playmakers goes for the Rebels, Jerry and Ely was a freshman All-American at running back. He's a guy who can do it in the run game. He can do it in the receiving game. He can do it in the return game. Uh, so the Rebels have another guy on their hands who can just affect the game in so many different facets of the game. I mean, you th- we think about Ole Miss, you think about someone like that, you think about McCluster. And I'm not saying Ely is going to be, McC- be McCluster, but uh, that's just who comes to mind when you think of Ole Miss and some of their history and uh, players that's come through there. Uh, Snoop Connor is another running back to watch out in the backfield for the Ole Miss Rebels. And their top receiver is going to be Elijah Moore, somebody who had 67 catches, 850 yards, and six touchdowns. But those numbers may not mean much to you because when you hear Elijah Moore for Ole Miss these days, you can't help but think about his dog urinating celebration that he did in the Egg Bowl that was he scored a touchdown with four seconds left. He does his celebration. It's an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty for 15 yards. Then Luke Logan missed the extra point that would have tied the game. But instead, Mississippi State takes the Egg Bowl for the third time in four years. And Elijah Moore will always be remembered for that penalty that set them back and they lose the Egg Bowl. Now, not saying he not a great player because he's a very good player but he has a lot of work to do to help uh get back in good grace with that old miss old miss fan base and then kind of repair his reputation now they do lose a key component on their offensive line as center eli johnson has decided to opt out and we know how big it is to lose any starter on your offensive line but especially at that center position when they're asked to do so much and that uh, rapport that they build with QBs over uh, any long period of time and you know we talked about Drake Jackson the center for the Kentucky Wildcats so that could be a troubling issue for the Rebels moving forward not having Eli Johnson their center for this season So we're looking at these two teams, Florida Ole Miss, 11 o'clock on ESPN. It's probable that Florida beats Ole Miss. You never know in college football, but I'm going with the Gators 100%. I would be one of many in the entire country if, for somehow, some reason, Florida does not win this game. I do like the hire by Ole Miss with getting a guy like Lane Kiffin, I think, with his – kind of style and arrogance in a way is something that they need and that will fit well in Oxford. They're going to need some time in the toughest division in the entire nation, the SEC West. So to recap, for possible, I said it's possible that Mississippi State could beat LSU. I'm going with LSU to win. It's plausible that Kentucky could beat Auburn. And it could happen. We we don't know. And I, I don't think it would shock many, but I'm going with Auburn to squeak uh, that one out as well. And then Florida Ole Miss, I'm going with Florida to win 35-17 to 17 over the Rebels and take them down on opening weekend. 
You're listening to The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley on the Joy FM Sports. It's more than a game. Pinch a Penny Pool, Patio, and Spa is a proud business ministry partner with the Joy FM. More than just a full-service pool and supply company, they offer backyard entertainment options like big green eggs, clear light infrared saunas, and patio furniture. Now locally owned and operated by Jason and Amy Sharp, Pinch a Penny Pool, Patio, and Spa, 1435 Westgate Parkway in Dothan. Phone 334-671-POOL. Many of us spend more time thinking about what's for dinner than thinking about retirement. But if you think your retirement deserves more attention, I can help. I'm Edward Jones Financial Advisor, Greg Wakefield. Stop by our office at 5630 West Main Street in Dothan. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Ridgecrest Baptist Church proudly supports all local athletics. At Ridgecrest, we have many opportunities for all ages, including children, middle school, high school, and college students. I'm Chase Fault, the student pastor, and I want to invite you to see how your family might fit in at Ridgecrest. Learn more on our website at rbcdothan.org. Welcome back to the Sweet Spot as we close with today's Triple C segment, Corey's Closing Comments, and this is what I want to share with you today. Understand this, everything in life has an opposition. No matter what it is, whether it's good or bad, hot or cold, up or down, home or away, it is important to recognize that there are always opposing forces to our everyday lives. Once you realize this, it will help you prepare for any circumstance or obstacle that tries to get in your way. Stay the course and be fully aware of all oppositions. And as we always say, there is nothing better than being in the sweet spot. Stay in the sweet spot on the Joy FM Sports Facebook page. This has been a presentation of the Joy FM Sports. It's more than a game.